in the pod, we've got Professor Mike Danson, we've got Dan Wynn, and we've got Leslie Riddick talking all things Nordic Horizons in the Explainer podcast. Dan and Leslie start us off by how did it all start? Do you want to take this one, Leslie? Well, we seem to have slightly different memories of we this. My, my, yeah, my memory <laughs> was, was that I was on a train heading north to, as a journalist to cover the SNP conference in, it could be 2008 or nine or something. She nine, I think. Nine, right. Um, and we were sitting in a, in a kind of train compartment hearing some, I didn't know Dan at this point, but listening to some people talking not very, I mean, you can't, you know, well, it's just a lot of nonsense, basically, about Norway, I think. And um, I, th- I thought one of us intervened and said, that really is a load of nonsense. But actually, I think Dan's memory is that we didn't, but just actually somehow sparked a conversation up with each other about how little people seem to know about the Nordic countries these days. Is that roughly even what you think, think that's, happened? That's pretty close to my, my memory. Um, it what, what I remember is sitting not so far away from you on the chat, I think just on the other side of, of the aisle. And, and you were going up because you you work within the sort of medical profession, so well, you were going up as well. Uh, so, yes, I was going up. Um, so I, I work for the General Medical Council in my, 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 my day job, and I was going up to SMP conference for, for work. We were running a, a, a fringe event. But I have always been absolutely fascinated by uh, the, the Nordic countries and the, the Nordic model of social democracy. And I had seen what uh, you'd been writing at the time, Leslie, um, about the Finnish uh, penal system. Um, and I uh, saw you sitting there and I was just thinking, hmm, how shall I broach um, this subject with, with, with the, the, the mighty Leslie Ritter, Um when suddenly you looked over and said, Excuse me, can you pass me that copy of the Scotsman, please? Uh, <laughs> and I and I and I took my copy of the Scotsman as it was, <laughs> and as I passed it across, said, "By the way, I like what you're writing about um, the Finnish penal system uh, at the moment." And you went, "All oh, right, yada yada, uh, um, chat chat chat." Uh, about an hour later or so, and I think there was a conversation about Norway that that that, that you intervened on actually after after that. But but at the end of it, um, uh, I I said, "Hey, do you fancy doing an event in in the Parliament um, and just see who's who's interested?" And you said, "Okay." Um, swapped contact details, got off the train. Uh, and then I think uh, a couple of months later or so, we got in touch again and we dived in <laughs> head first in the deep end um, and uh, in, into what turned out to be an absolutely fantastic first first event um, at the problem, which was just in my memory is it was a kind of a kind of broad um, event, but we did um, uh, use your, your film about um, kinder, out, outdoor kindergarten um, in the Nordic countries. Um, and actually, my... isn't that astonishing how everything comes full circle? Because that that was okay. That was twelve, thirteen years ago or something. But here we are coming full circle with a motion going for the SNP conference in October, actually pushing for the school starting age in Scotland to be taken back to the age of six or seven, which would be facilitate. You know, which would basically be jumping onto the Nordic, well, pretty much North European model. Um, it's only taken 13 years <laughs> for it to kind of come from being written about or thought about or talked about Nordic Horizons into, well, where let's not get, you know, we're not home and dry yet, but into at least a policy discussion in, in the ruling party's 
But I mean, yeah. at the time, the other thing was for you're, you're a member of the Labour Party. I'm not a member of any party. Yep. I support independence. I wouldn't put you in that bracket completely. Uh, Devo Max or federalism yeah. is what I'd go for, yeah. Right, which is not independence. So anyway, no. that's not... <laughs> <laughs> but the point of this is that this was actually quite good, you know, because as things started off in 2007 or 2008, or I can't remember the first meeting was eight or nine, we possibly just had an SNP government. We did because I can remember the levels of, of, of interest. It was a bit mm. like... You know, we did have a, a government in who sort of thought, whoa, right, we've got our hands on the tiller. We've got stuff we can do. We've got possibilities. You know, we, we're going to try and go in a direction that's not just Westminster kind of dusted down a bit. Mm. What do we do? You know, yep. and because the SNP didn't come from a huge policy rich background in many ways, because there's, you know, eventually a single issue campaign. They sort of, you know, I think that a lot of their guys and gals welcomed uh, things that would fill in the gaps a wee bit and draw in uh, better ways of doing things from Nordic countries. And we were just like the first meetings where people were absolutely stowed out. And yeah. actually, a lot, a lot of Labour MSPs were yes. in that first, you know, parliament were really, really <clears throat> keen on things like the social contract and so on. Absolutely. So we were just in case um, this is now leaving people a little bit. Well, so what was all that about then? What we tended to do was we took speakers over from the Nordic countries, that old fashioned thing, which post COVID now sounds like a weird thing to do, but was then the only thing to do. So it was kind of face to face meetings with the public in various venues in Edinburgh. We, we then bolted on a civil servants meeting because civil servants don't come out at night and go to public meetings. We lambs. So they have to have their own special separate meetings, which fair enough lets them ask the questions they want. And I can remember some some of our speakers, like the utterly excellent Tapio Lapisepala, um, who came to speak about the Finnish prison system. Um, he got hauled around four different meetings before he got slammed back onto the plane. If he could actually say his own name and finish by the end of that, it would have been a miracle, you know. And it was astonishing that nobody ever asked for money. Nobody yeah. asked for a fee. It was like a sort of wider, you know, there's a phrase in Nor Norwegian, dugnad, which is kind of, you know, your contribution as a to a community, to your community. And it was almost as if it seemed to me that all these Nordic speakers from all the different Nordic countries regarded Scotland as their piece of international dugnad. <laughs> you know, this yes. is kind of like a giving thing to us. Um, Absolutely. And tremendously generous with their time. Yeah. You know, it was really astonishing. Yeah, it's true. We worked them really hard, but we were all incredibly enthusiastic about it and just just lapped it up. Um, that's that's absolutely true. And you, you, you're right that um, you know, I mean, we've always talked about this that what what we're about is spreading, you know, uh, news about a model of social democracy that that that, that works really well. And you know, there are all sorts of people and 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 parties who should be interested in in in, in that. Um, you know, if we're if we're social democrats, anyone who's a social, social democrat should be looking at the Nordic model and saying, you know, that's the that's the pinnacle of, of what actually exists, actually existing social democracy, um, and we should be learning from 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 that. Um, and I think, um, by and large, we, we did that. Party interest. I'd like um, to bring Mike in at this point yeah. because I mean, Mike can probably do his best place to bring in uh, what what. These two have been kind of talking about the history, but you've been, latterly been involved really in 
um, I guess the read across from Nordic Horizons and and its subject matter, and you know what's happening in Scotland right now. I mean, what's your assessment? In those early years, also the the civil service had been energised because it had been restructured, and there was a lot of energy and interest in civil servants in getting making use of their freedoms as well. So they were very keen to hear from elsewhere. And for goodness sake, have we got an agenda at the moment out there? Uh, Brexit, isolationism, Ukraine, energy security, cost of living crisis, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and an increasingly right-wing UK politic, body politic, um, which means that, that Scotland really needs to be looking elsewhere and we know that Northern Ireland, that Wales are doing similar, latterly parts of England. And where, where do they look for different sorts of models? Because undoubtedly the UK model in terms of economics, democracy, politics, social, etc., cetera, is, is failing. It's been failing for a long time. It's become very apparently recently. And looking across to, to those Nordic countries, which head about every single league table you can think of yeah. across the different dimensions of life climate change sustainability and so on and so forth then yeah this is the time to be uh, when the nordic horizons and our links and our podcasts and events have come right to the fore i would suggest in a similar way they were very appropriate 12 13 years ago yeah, just to give us sort of, because I was thinking before we did this podcast, you know, what, what have we actually done? And it it can be a bit of a blur because we had six meetings a year for 10 years. <laughs> That's a lot of people <laughs> and a lot of organizing and a lot of having to get halls and get people to agree to come at the same time. There was one year we went completely mad and ended up having... Um, somebody from each of the capital cities around the Nordics um, coming to speak to folk in a city here with a sort of matching, you know, problem or potential. I mean, so, for example, uh, one one of the, the guys who set up the, the uh, Harpa conference centre in Iceland, huge relative, well, it's huge in anybody's book, relative to the population of Iceland, humongous <laughs> conference centre, beautiful, actually, it sits in the, at the harbour at uh, Reykjavik, and himself, a, a literary guy, actually, who's written several um, biographies of writers, including um, the, the, uh, the, the, the author of Independent People, which is one of Iceland's, you know, sort of seismic books. Anyway, he came uh, to speak to Dundee, because they were about to put together the VNA at that point and hope to have a similar sort of bounce happening through one particular venue. Whether that's happened or not, dear knows, but that was the kind of level of matching we were trying to do, which for a bunch of volunteers, which we are actually and have always been, was kind of nay bad. I mean, maybe some of the other things, um, we, we did an event, we had a, we had a very um, energetic uh, member of the steering group, uh, Paddy Bort, who sadly died about three or four years ago. Uh, he was an academic. He was also a great lover of folk music. And uh, Paddy was actually, yeah, he'd spent a lot of time in Ireland, hence the, I think, folk music dimension. But he was German by origin. And my God, if you actually just tried to get Paddy talking about the lack of local democracy in Scotland, 
you needed to move every microphone in the room back about 10 yards. He got so angry about it because he'd seen it working differently and he couldn't get over how we just jumped over that as a subject because it seemed kind of boring, where for him, it was utterly pivotal to nearly every other thing we discussed. But Paddy was one of the ones who had the energy to pull together what actually turned out to be a pretty big event two months after Brexit. And again, when I think about it, two months. Anyway, we got some a speaker from every Nordic country and some of the smaller ones like Greenland, um, who were talking about the different ways that they basically operate as entities in the international field, particularly with reference to the EU, but just generally. And um, that was an, a gobsmacking event. I mean, we had 300 people there. We had the then culture European secretary, Fiona Hislop, who I think was only going to show and go and actually stayed for about five hours. Got a wee bit parky at the end of it. And I seem to remember seeing her disappear underneath about four blankets, but she was still there listening to all this input about how people manage their international relations differently. And after that, two of the speakers, um, Jon Balvin Hannevalsson from Iceland and uh, Björn Samuelsson from the Faroes, both of whom are in the halfway house, the EEA, um, they went round to see Nicola Sturgeon, which hadn't been arranged, but, you know, that seemed to be kind of, you know, something that, that Fiona Hislop perhaps had encouraged. And after that, there was a statement at some point from the Scottish government saying that they were open to the ideas posed by having, you know, the EEA, EFTA as a potential halfway house destination. Now, I'm not saying they changed their policy because they're back on to, you know, full membership of the EU come independence if that happens. But my point simply is nobody else was pulling together these kind of uh, international players, which is what they are. You know, these are not totally we irrelevant countries lost in the mists of the kind of North Atlantic. These guys set up really functioning structures are doing really well. Nearly all of them, except Iceland, are AAA credit rated. We're not. Um, and, you know, they, they've been through every scenario we can think of facing Scotland now. One of them has been through it and come out the other end with the T-shirt. So there's just an awful lot to learn. Yeah, I think I can I just go back to the the, the well-made point you started this uh, with about local democracy. I think that's one of the things that I've actually taken on board and, and learned most about um, over the past ten years. Um, <clears throat> the Nordic model is often sort of uh, conceived of this sort of triumvirate at the top of you know state trade unions and 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 capital getting together to you know agree these these um, uh, nationwide. Uh, uh, approaches and that's what holds the whole thing together but actually what, what, I, what I think I've learned is that that is only possible because of that local democracy and the two are kind of self-reinforcing because they they kind of create that that sort of local um, uh, uh, democracy that's a power that people have at a local level and the feeling that they have that uh, facilitates that trust um, uh, that we always talk about the Nordic countries, the amazing rates of, of trust in public institutions as compared to other countries, particularly the, the UK and, and, and Scotland. But I'm always really keen to, 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 to say to people when I'm talking to them about the Nordic model and about the work that we do as well, um, 
is is that it's all about the feeling of control and power and democracy that people have at a, a local level. And that's really what drives the Nordic model and drives support for the Nordic model. Um, it's something that gets missed a lot. And I think that if there's one contribution that, 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 that we've made over the years, we've made many, I think, actually, that it's getting that point across to, to make people feel that this is not just something sort of um, esoteric and sort of, you know, uh, 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 sort of ideological. It's something that they can actually really kind of feel concretely in their daily lives. Um, you know, if, if we can, and we can take that and we can we can use it because as we often said, Leslie, you know, this th- these countries are only a few hundred miles away. Um, and yet the, the knowledge uh, uh, of them certainly was pretty low. Hopefully we've managed to increase that though. I remember being part of uh, the debate with Paddy in the parliament about democracy and local democracy in particular, which clearly is coming to the head again in Scotland. Um, I think something else Nordic Rounds would be very important at is it's difficult to start from here because we're not starting from where the Nordic countries are mm-hmm. and therefore it, it has to be Scottish solutions, local solutions and so on. Um, in Leslie's book, Blossom and others, really builds up the idea of local democracy and building up. We've seen that with community buyouts, asset transfers in Scotland, it can really work. But you see over and again the criticism, um, we're not the Nordic countries, um, we're not um, the... When I, when I spoke to academics before going to that debate with Paddy, most academics said we've got too many local authorities in Scotland (laughs) despite the fact we've got fewer per head than anyone else in Europe central eastern never mind northern Europe Um, so there's a lot of information and education and advocacy to be done and I think Nordic Horizon has been really important so like Dan I've learned a lot about local democracy local government and the differences but we don't start from when they are, and therefore it means we have to have initiate these debates. How do we get there? I think that's a really interesting point. There's a segue into sort of you know we talk about the what so far, but you know the 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 how um, uh, is 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 really important. So um, <clears throat> Leslie and I talked about this. Remember this, these conversations, Leslie, in the, the early days about you know what formats we were going to use uh, um, and and what our platform was was going to be. Um, and yeah, we, we, we first of all, I mean, we tried um, that one event in the parliament, which we couldn't get everyone in for. <laughs> we had to turn people away. We had to, we had to, I think we had to change rooms twice. Um, so we got the largest committee room. Um, and then, of course, we, we, we were uh, recording our, our events. Um, we were um, putting them out um, you know, on, the, the, on our website, on, on, on SoundCloud, etc. And we we're trying to drive people to, towards that. Um, uh, what we did, we did something f- f- pretty early on, which was to set up a, a Facebook uh, group. That was all the rage. Do you remember that? <laughs> Facebook groups. <laughs> we still have one going, folks. Uh, please it's, join us. It's, it's perky, actually. It it's perky. a really, really perky, good Facebook group. It is. It is. And we are, I always remember uh, being very proud that within the first couple of years, we had more uh, members of our Facebook group than f- the official membership of the Scottish Green Party. No offence to the Scottish Green Party. This is like, you, know, you should be proud. This is, this is the part <laughs> I'm sitting here. We, 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 we reached about 2,000 within uh, the first uh, couple of years. And I think we're now at about 3,000 uh, members. 
Um, uh, and that was and, and, and is you know, a fantastic forum where people not only access you know, the recordings of our event, find out what we're doing, et cetera, um, but you know, post um, uh, requests for information. We see that a lot. People doing research um, will post requests and get all sorts of conversations going. And what I really like about the Facebook group is that it's not all people in Scotland with a, politi a political sort of um, uh, angle. Um, it's, it's people from the Nordic countries as, as well. Um, and we have all sorts of, of topics um, uh, being covered there. We also have a lot of Scottish people based in the Nordic countries who are telling us what it's, what, what it's like and, and can, can uh, uh, relate back to how, how things are in Scotland and are, you know, they, they're constantly posting news from the Nordic countries, which is of direct relevance to what's happening here as well. And it's a fantastic uh, uh, forum. That's gone for quite a, a, a long time um, and been pretty successful. But um, I think the, um, the the pandemic and, and lockdown kind of gave us we kind of pause for for thought, didn't it, um, mm -hmm. about what we were what we, what we were doing. Um, I don't know if you want to talk, Leslie, about um, sort of the, the, the shift in our sort of events. Um, Hi. Well, funnily enough, we we almost psychically realised that a, <laughs> a massive disruption to physical events was about to happen, and just took a wee pause actually just yeah. before the pandemic, as it turns out. But it was also because we were knackered. I mean, we've been doing this for 10 years, myself and Lily Greenan, uh, who had been doing a lot of the organising of meetings. And it, actually, that level of having to keep finding people six successful meetings is the pro product of often 12, 14, 20 unsuccessful contacts. Yeah. So it actually was, you know, and again, as I say, as a volunteer, that's quite a thing so we'd taken a wee pause and um and I suppose we also got to the stage of thinking well I don't know you know does surely people have got the message by now maybe we're not really all that necessary you know we'd spent 10 years banging on about the Nordics if you if you're interested you might kind of have the point by now and then actually we we began to realize that um you know as, as many people did zoom has gave us quite a new platform it, it also overcame this problem we always had of having people to needing to come physically to Edinburgh to actually attend meetings, yeah. which was the real difficult one because invariably we would be sold out on events. And then of course, folk wouldn't turn up, which was frustrating. Um, but this way, you know, if, if we were for recently, we were doing things again about the power of small municipalities. We had a brilliant speaker on from the Pharaohs who is, was actually from, Dennis was from one of the most remote of the Pharaohs, which is remote already. Um, now, he didn't need to get on trains, planes, tunnels and automobiles to get anywhere happily. And equally, uh, the message he was really trying to send was to other small islands in Scotland. Now, that would have been just an utterly impossible meeting to do based on everyone physically having to get together for it. So we did a meeting actually then, of course, about COVID, uh, about the different COVID responses, because if you're told by your government that you've got the best, you know, fill in the blanks here, um, how do you really know how that works out? Um, how did people know how Sweden, very different approach was working out? Uh, you know, we, we had people right in the centre of that, describing what was happening to them in the middle of the pandemic. And, um, and so we've kept going on Zoom and we've had... Uh, tremendous events really about there was a stage where there was a, a rake of elections where the, the social democrats seemed to sweep back into power across all the nordic nations so we had a look at whether they were going left 
The answer was not entirely, but the middle has sort of shifted a bit. Um, we also did a tremendous event in the wake of the COP26 meeting about what, uh, you know, what would what the Nordic nations would be taking forward from that based on the fact that Denmark, we're kind of like a country mile ahead of everybody else in setting up um, the, with, uh, with I think it was, was, was it with Bolivia, the, uh, the kind of go-ahead group who really have the highest standards in the world. Yeah. Um, so th- these have been great meetings to do. And what we've started to realize is that we can actually repurpose them afterwards because putting a great wide audio up on a website, bit like thumbing through the phone book, maybe. You, you know, keen folk did listen. But what we're doing now with the help of Chris Smith, who's indeed kind of, you know, comparing this very podcast, um, I'm and Chris are sort of editing the uh, this down into very listenable podcasts so that you can basically get the best of what's happening in a subject in a Nordic country, usually one or two of them compared with Scotland in a 40-minute to 45-minute podcast which we hope people will really use, listen, farm out across policy areas, because this is all the kind of subjects that practically every uh, professional in Scotland is going to have to bend their heads around. Uh, so that's one of the main platforms we've got now. Yeah, absolutely. I that's a really, really ex- exciting time for for for, for us. Um, um, so the I think that combination of uh, Zoom and the, the 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 podcast is is just it's it's so powerful. I mean, I, we were talking um a, a couple of weeks ago about the fact that I was really excited that Bernie Sanders um, got interested in in Denmark uh, during his campaign back you know back in twenty sixteen. Um, I uh, being a former member of the Democratic Socialists of America in California had, had kind of reached out. I think this gives us the perfect platform to do stuff like that. You know, we we could take this this Nordic crisis could go global. <laughs> and why Have not? you contacted Bernie Sanders? That's <laughs> months now since you came out with that one. Have you contacted I, him I, though? I, I I did. I did. I did. I I I wrote to the the the, the DSA. I will be continuing to write to the DSA. <laughs> <laughs> and tell actually, the in. <laughs> well, I I was on a thing with his brother actually, so maybe maybe there's an there easier way, and uh, which indeed I also mentioned and haven't done a thing about. So you know, there's 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 definite possibilities there. But so the future is kind of we're suddenly beginning the pennies dropping about how we can do things. You know, in in some ways in a lighter way, but there's always the thought that has to go into. For example, what we're thinking about for forthcoming events. Um, Dan's got one he'll tell you about in a minute. I've got one um, which was going to be about the incredible steps forward taken in Iceland about 30 years ago, where they be- they had tremendously delinquent teenagers uh, and and took some research steps forward, really embraced it, and realised that if kids were channeled, their energies channeled into sports clubs, but I mean huge numbers of sports clubs, a lot of kind of availability, a huge choice of sports. So it's not, you're a boy, you'll do football, you're a girl, you'll do hockey. No. Uh, Kids are way out in the most remote areas of Iceland, brought in all the time. And this, they discovered that this model of the kids having a sort of supervised um, experience of sport really raised the game with them, got them thinking in a much more responsible way, dropped sort of use of alcohol fags everything went absolutely down um, as a result of it and stayed down 
And they've kept that program going ever since. Now, some of you who, like me, have got an Iceland football scarf for the years when Scotland doesn't qualify, right? Um, and who actually had occasion to use it a couple of years back when Iceland qualified for the World Cup. Well, that year, the women's football team also qualified from, from the, for the women's World Cup. Why? Because they were the children who were brought into that sports clubs network 25 years earlier. It worked that well. So we could have a meeting about that. I could try to get the speakers on from Iceland to talk about that. But the, the date that we're probably looking at, October, November, ooh, um, if you're listening in Scotland and Britain, maybe in the rest of Europe, you'll think, right, that could be a frisky old time on a lot of fronts. And there's so many dire predictions of that period. We could be in Britain, we could be in official recession. We'll have got probably the three to four thousand pound energy bill because the first quarterly price cap gets announced. We could have jumped from nine to 13 percent inflation. Um, you know, it might be one where, in fact, at that point, it would be good to hear what's actually happening in our neighbours about support for people. Because yet again, we'll be told, doubtless we're being told, that the support coming from the British government is the best possible and nobody's doing better. We, we need to constantly be aware of what is being available at our latitude. So it might be that Iceland uh, has to get bump, bumped a little. And that's the sort of conversations that we have about what should be next next events. On that, I'm actually due to do, a, I think, a podcast for the BBC Scotland this week on cost of living crisis responses um, in other countries, and particularly the Nordic countries, who are great examples of this. We were already miles ahead of us anyway, but particularly during the cost of living crisis, energy prices, and so on. Um, the it's it's also interesting that um, we, we have a Twitter account to complement Facebook and so forth, and, and we've got over three thousand followers on there. Um, and seeing Scottish government offices being opened in the Nordic countries and elsewhere, who need reminded about what we've been doing for the last dozen years or so. And, and therefore the, the podcast, again, the repackaging that Les and Chris are doing is, is again, very timious, very appropriate for these times. But we have other ways of dissemination. Dan was probably going to... That's a nice segue, Mike. Yes. <laughs> There's no such thing as a free lunch, folks. Um, so uh, there, there, there is an ask. Uh, which is that um, with this new fancy podcast um, that we we, we have, um, we uh, are now sending out monthly newsletters um, and we have a, a distribution group of a few hundred uh, folk um, left over from, from the past, but we are on a mission to build that. Uh, so if you want to receive uh, news from us and links to our new podcasts, of course you can uh, please go to you know uh, uh, your podcast provider and subscribe to Nordic Horizons. Quick search for Nordic Horizons uh, should find it, but you can also receive uh, uh, direct links to the podcast in our newsletter along with other information. Um, uh, we are sending that out via, you know, the uh, Mailchimp uh, platform. But please do uh, email nordichorizons at hotmail.co.uk. That's nordichorizons, all one word, at hotmail.co.uk, and I will add you to the distribution uh, list, in which you will see very shortly some information about another event 
that I'm organizing, Leslie referred to, which is typical Nordic style from uh, micro to, to, to macro. Uh, we have uh, UC Toivanen, uh, who was the advisor to the Finnish prime minister on uh, media uh, and cyber uh, uh, security, um, uh, media literacy. He has now uh, moved to head up the Finnish uh, Institute for Cyber Security, and he will talk uh, a lot about um, the Finnish education system, how it uh, incorporates uh, media and internet savviness, um, and about the, the the other sort of institutions and and the the, the culture of Finnish society that that protects them against um, online uh, uh, radicalism um, and um, ensures that the media is is, is trusted. Um, something that we could all uh, take a leaf from uh, in this country, and I'm sure in other countries throughout the world. So we're looking at uh, the autumn sometime for that event. So look out for news on that. But please do sign up to the newsletter. I, I should say as well, there is the website sitting there. It's the repository of everything we've talked about. If you have a guddle around in it, you'll find you know everything that we've spoken about through through just searching there. The podcasts, the the audio that's still sitting uh, as originally uh, recorded and hasn't yet found its way into an edited, you know, ep- I was going to say epic, but just little pearl. Um, <laughs> Icelandic <and> saga. <laughs> no, no Icelandic <laughs> saga. Like, the uh, the unsaga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's all these well, these ones that we should still, you know, because we we're we're quite political old dudes actually. But you know, there's 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 a the event I've always wanted to have uh, that I've said to Dan is Lutheranism versus Presbyterianism. <laughs> <laughs> Why did Presbyterianism turn us into miserable old? Whereas Lutheranism seemed to kind of produce a, a much more resilient pizza people in different countries. Now, these are, you know, that's a broad sweeping generalization that I feel hesitant the second I've made it. But this is where I've never found anybody who can speak at either end of that with any degree of, you know, not not banging the tableness about it. Tell you what, Leslie, we'll we'll go for that if you let me have one in the Meidner plan. The what? (laughs) The Meidner plan. Yeah, Swedish moves in the 70s to um, uh, socialize uh, large companies into cooperatives and move towards a, a system of market socialism. There you go. Right. Well, see, like, here we go. I'll trump you because <laughs> I can't even use that verb anymore. Um, I'm going to Finland, actually, because I am a complete Sibelius freak. And I'm Ooh. going to the Lati Sibelius Festival, which is the absolute mother of them all oh, um, wow. at the at the kind of beginning of September. But en route, I'm going to speak to folk in forestry cooperatives because the Finns are the most the most uh, yes. cooperative people in the world. And I, <laughs> in and a actually very that, well, and you know, sorry to b- b- bring it that way, but actually they, that was a precursor of independence. It was one of the few ways they were able to organize in their country uh, in ways that didn't sort of alert mother Russia at the time. Yes. So, um, so anyway, yeah, but this is what I mean. I mean, one way or another, we're all constantly sort of interested in a history. We were never taught in countries we were, you know, that were just sitting there like, I don't know, dest- you know, stamps in a stamp collection when you were a bairn, but somewhere you would never go to. And of course you get all the usual stuff, the beer is too expensive and whatever, whatever. Honestly, if we're going to work, if we're going to try and frame how we run a country based on the price of beer, we can stop. <laughs> we can stop <laughs> now. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot ahead of us. 
The thing that's immediately behind us um, is something I would just love to take this opportunity to thank the people who contributed to our crowdfunder. It's quite a modest thing, but it keeps all these platforms alive. We weren't sure people would really, you know, it, it can seem like a bit of a niche thing. But last December, when we decided to ask people, you know, for about three or four thousand quid to kind of keep going on a whole bunch of fronts, we got that money. And that's what keeps us in business. I mean, not just actually the sort of money side of it, but just the sense that people out there are actually quite supportive of a lot of these ideas and think this is the time in our lives, in in the development of societies, in all the roadblocks and dead ends that we feel ourselves to be in at the moment. This is the time where we need to have role models, optimism, and the sense that we're currently the odd ones out. And there are great practices going on right beside us that folk are very, very happy to share about. Absolutely. And in the spirit of this equity, which is breaking out, I was keen to find out from Mike, these two have given us their dream meeting. What would your dream meeting be? Well, one might be on Scandi Noir and such, and... And just picking up Leslie's point there, and not to be too Scottish about it, we also have lessons for the Nordic countries and getting that knowledge exchange, that dialogue going both ways. One that's been mentioned to me a number of times by people from different Nordic countries is migration and how Scotland, they perceive, deals with migrants much better and integrates them um, and so forth. Um, beyond that, minority languages, minority cultures, um, have they disappeared in the Nordic countries? Whereas in Scotland, you know, are we keeping them going, trying to hit whether it's the Northern Isles, Shetland, Orkney, Gaelic, um, and so forth. So there are, it's the, the more Nordic horizons matures, the more these conversations build links are made through the hard work of of people involved so we become more noticeable to people in the nordic countries and they're you know asking us for advice and such which which is good amen absolutely just what i was going to say (laughs) (laughs) right so it sounds to me like we're coming to a natural conclusion is there anything finally as we bring this all to a close that we haven't covered that we should Quick, I'm going to look around the look around the virtual room. Well, I still think our, our, the difficulty for Scotland uh, after all these meetings we've had and all the number of uh, guest speakers who were taken to speak to civil servants and indeed the civil service organised themselves into a little sort of Nordic reception group. Sometimes there were seventy civil servants in rooms listening to mm. some of these people. And what's happened? <laughs> you know, um. I mean, there's been some some ideas have been lifted, but, you know, the really sort of, and to be fair, that very first one, the, the Scottish prison system is modelled on the Finnish prison system. But, you know, there's been a lot, a lot of ideas have, have gone through. People have really understood them, got them, enjoyed listening to them. And then what? Yeah. Now, we could have a long argument about what would or wouldn't facilitate a bit more action on the, you know, reproducing things front, because... If you haven't got all your hands on the tiller, it can be hard to make the budget adjustments. You need to be able to just change priorities. But in a lot of circumstances, you know, we can make these changes now. Um, so you know, our next thing, I don't know how much more we can do to try to make sure that we implement ideas now in Scotland instead of just saying, oh, that's a nice one. 
you know, let's let's discuss how we can get that to happen. That might be a bit naive, but you know, hey, what's new? There's quite a lot is happening. Um, so I was invited to a meeting in Greenland beginning October, which I can't afford because it's almost 2000 just for flights, but it's looking at energy, small communities, renewables and so on. Um, and that's under an Arctic program, Scotland with the, the Nordic countries. Um, and yet we, we're not aware of that as such. And, and there's quite a few university connections now and networks which didn't exist before and are quite lively, animated and so forth. Um, and it's a shame there's not credit given to Nordic Horizons and all the hard work that was done um, because they will be in many cases quite narrowly defined. And it's whether they spill out into the rest of civil service, the rest of universities and so forth, yeah. which is something Nordic Horizons always done because it went topic to topic to topic and bringing in different sorts of experts to come over here and speak. I think that's the thing is that we, we, we're creating this sort of bank um, of, of uh, resources that other people can, 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 can use. Um, and it'll be, you know, it'll, it'll be easier to, to target what we've got through the newsletter, which is why I'm so keen that people sign up uh, for, 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 for that. If, if we get, you know, um, representatives of, of, of groups throughout you know, civil society um, and, and activists as well. I mean, you know, student groups, these kinds of people, um, if we get them signed up and regularly receiving the, the podcast, we can kind of plant little seeds here and there, which eventually will grow and kind of mesh it together in the way that Mike's uh, uh, describing there. But yeah, Leslie's right. There's only so much that we, we can do, but I think that's the crucial contribution that we have to make. And if anybody wants to join our happy crew, you know, we can always do with that with more people that have different interests, different strengths, whatever. So do get in touch. Yes. I think just to kind of conclude, really, the aim for us has been to bring the Nordics in from the cold. Boom. But <laughs> actually, in doing that, we've brought Scotland back into the fold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yes. Well, that sounds a great place to uh, to go out on. So. Uh, to all our contributors, Mike, Dan, and Leslie, Tuz and Tuck. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>